Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> hey, nobodies, it's just me, Paula Poundstone. Before the show starts, I want you to know what nobody on the show knows, which is that I got Carol Burnett one of my all-time idols. I grew up wanting to be Carol Burnett. I got her to call in as a surprise to my coworkers on the 100th Caller Contest. You should have heard me trying to explain what the 100th Caller Contest was to Carol Burnett. Anyways, uh, she's going to call in just a little bit, and I wanted just you guys to know ahead of time. Okay, shh, don't tell. Live from our houses in Los Angeles, California. It's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, the clue is he graduated from the University of Ottawa with a degree in philosophy and went on to host Wizard of Odds, Double Dare, and High Rollers, as well as another show. And the answer is who is Alex Trebek? That's right, Paula wants to find out if she can make a living as a game show host. Who better to advise her on how to hit the jackpot than the host of Jeopardy! Now let's meet our contestants. I'm Adam Felber, a writer and podcast host from North Hollywood, California, who says he once kept his co-host on topic for nearly two minutes. And now, please welcome our returning champion, the comedian and writer from Santa Monica, California, who continuously leads her podcast into conversational double Jeopardy! Paula Poundstone. Hey, you guys. Welcome, Paula. Thanks very much. I would say it's nice to be here, but it sounds goofy because I'm just sitting in my bedroom at home. Oh, you're in your bedroom? My bedroom slash office, yes. Excellent, excellent. And uh, let's uh, say a big thanks to tonight's house band, cellist Jackson Keith from Plano, Texas. Thank you so much. Jackson. You know, I feel that it's important during the the stay-at-home order to keep a a schedule, and I work really hard all day long. Um, And one of the things that I don't schedule in, but I end up doing every single day, multiple times, is taking off my email, um, you know, deleting all the political solicitations. Now, let me just begin by saying, I love the post office. I want to save the post office. There's no reason in the world the post office should be in jeopardy of any kind. The post right. office should be there. Uh, number two, uh, m- uh, mail-in ballots makes all the sense in the world, in the pickle that we are in. We should have mail-in ballots. I have supported both issues. I have clicked on. I have said, yes, I do. I have donated money. But every single day, multiple times a day, I get these emails that they'll say, um, and it's from some organization that I I don't even know who they're, and it'll say, we're so excited. 
you know, Joe Biden has come out in support of mail-in ballots. And, uh, you know, we're so happy. And then literally an hour later, it'll go, Paula, we're crying. Mail-in ballots might not make it. Like this happens, you know, I can't go on that roller coaster. And then they'll say, we just want your opinion. We want, and, and of course you click and it says, and by the way, and $5. <laughs> I, I, and every now and then I've been foolish enough to fall for the, like, uh-oh, can you hear my dog barking? Yes, I can. That's the podcast. And so outside. can America. <laughs> she's, te- she's telling me that there are people in the alley and that must be stopped. Um, yeah, there's nothing I can do about it. I can get up and yell at her, but it's not going to, makes no difference. We'll wait. Uh Go ahead. No, I don't. In truth, I can't. She just, she <laughs> okay. won't stop until the people walk through the alley. She just won't. Um, there's a lot of foot traffic in my alley now, you know, because everybody's trying to get exercise and stuff. And people have, in order to avoid one another on the street and the sidewalk, they filter into the alleys. And my dog, Mo is counting them. So what she just told me is there's 10 people in the alley right now. I don't know if you were able oh, to understand good. that. Yeah. I don't it's speak dog in, in that way. Yeah, it's very, very helpful. Um, hey, speaking of things that are happening during the stay-at-home order, let's let's go around the horn and find out if anything new. Because you know, one thing is, I'm you, like you, Paula, I'm desperate for news. Anything that's new in anybody's life is important for me because the endless wash of these days at home starts to get very monotonous. Hmm. So let's go around the horn. Uh, Tony, Anita Hull, anything new in your life? Um, I drove down to San Clemente over the weekend to see a friend. We talked at a safe distance, and then I drove back home. Was that friend named Richard Nixon? (laughs) Yeah, was it Trisha Nixon or something? Never, never. Tony, are you secretly creating a shrine to Nixon in your your office? Wow. (laughs) Absolutely not. I so, didn't even know he was from San Clemente. Or is it just Orange County? No, he uh, he retired to San Clemente, I believe. No, it's San oh, Clemente. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Tony. <laughs> oh, like you didn't know that. She knew that. She was down, she was in San Clemente uh, making... Uh, she, Tony is also a, a gifted sculptor. And right. she was in San Clemente making a Nixon sculpture. Oh. And it, you know what, Tony, we, it's not like we leave our politics at the door here, but we don't hire uh, according to politics. So you can still work on the show and be who you are. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, uh, producer, Paula's manager, Bonnie Burns, Captain Crinkle's on the line. Uh, That's my signature. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that when you're introduced. I don't, I don't. I don't want you to get lonesome for my noise, Adam. I. I'm not. There's. It's one of the few things I'm not nostalgic for right now. But hey, Bonnie Burns, um, tell us what's new in your life. Well, my daughter and I have progressed from waving at each other from across the room to hip bumping. <laughs> hip bumping? Yeah. I, I don't get it. Like, so it's like for the, for the beginning, is this like your entire relationship or just the quarantine that you were doing the waving at each other from across the yeah. room? So she comes home from work and now I just, we go over, I give her a little hip bump. 
that's been the closest contact we've had. Hmm. <laughs> so I guess that's a way of warning anybody that Bonnie may inadvertently come into contact with. Um, you know, if you shake her hand, she'll be fine. But if she happens to hit you with her hip, yeah. you're going to be covered in the in the COVID. Wait, does your does your daughter work in a high risk environment, Bonnie? No, you know, she works with horses, so she's at the barn all day. But, you know, we don't know if she's a COVID carrier, right? No, I guess not. And then she has a boyfriend she hangs out with and they have friends. So we're being very cautious. Okay, I see. But I don't think hip bumping is being cautious. Yeah, you've just thrown caution to the wind. You can't hit no matter how ample. I know we did the hip. No. We're connect we're hip connecting. You can't. Yeah, that's not Nobody, cautious. Because no. you're closer than six feet. No, no matter how ample your hips are. <laughs> Thank you. you. <laughs> you know what? All this I, all this I, confinement, they're a little more ample. <laughs> I'm just you know, Adam. Yes. You really know how to talk to a woman. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying nobody on the planet can bump somebody else's hips and not be within six feet of them. It can't happen. Okay, fine. But There's not a woman in the world who doesn't want a guy talking about the ampleness of her hips. I'm That's... sorry I used the word ample. God damn it. That, you might want to think of working for Hallmark or something, because that was <laughs> that boy. You really, you really turn a phrase. Oh my ample god! Hips. Let me just Bonnie, say, I apologize. Hips. I ventured into uh, sweets categories that I normally wouldn't have gone into. I spent so much time in isolation. Clearly, you haven't been in isolation. You've been playing pinball with your daughter. <laughs> and 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 body uh, the sweets category. What what categories have you ventured into? Okay, last the last two nights, I've actually taken marshmallows, put them in the microwave for like six seconds, so they puff up and eaten those. Huh. Now, is okay, that funny. No, I'm waiting for it's the not, heart attack to happen. Oh wow. Okay, let's let's unpack a little bit here, Bonnie. You know how sometimes we talk about how you stray off topic a little bit. <laughs> I don't think she has. You, you asked what, her what's Adam, new. Feel free to move on. You could just feel no. free to move on. I don't want to. No, no, I'm on. interested in these marshmallows. I, I don't want to move on at all. So. Yeah, we're staying right here. Okay, we could just go now. <laughs> no. Remember the marshmallow test they did, the famous psychology? They had a group of kids in a room, and they gave each one a marshmallow, and they told them that if they could wait, what was it, like, you know, 10 minutes to eat the marshmallow, then they could get another marshmallow? Do you remember that? And only yes, a couple I do. of only a couple of kids waited the 10 minutes and got the second marshmallow. And they followed those kids throughout their lives. Like, that wasn't creepy. They followed those kids throughout their lives. And what they found was the kids who waited to get the second marshmallow were, were overall sort of more successful in life. Um, yeah, but you missed the follow-up study, Paula, which was that 20 years later, all the kids who had the two marshmallows were dead of diabetes. Well... Now there's a new study where they put several <laughs> adults in a room with a microwave and a bunch of marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some adults 
that just stick the marshmallow in their mouth because they can't wait. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> and then there's others, uh, the more artistic type, the chefs, if you will, uh, that microwave the marshmallows for six seconds. I gotta say uh, that that <laughs> our, our, I want to say to okay, our to I our. I have to be honest. Do you? Yeah, I was. What? I ate three marshmallows while I was waiting for those. <laughs> Wow. Oh my God. Well, so much for that study. I have never in my life, Bonnie and I, she's been my manager for 26 years. Thank you, Bonnie. And we've been through a lot together, but never have I felt in safer hands than now. I, oh, I really do. I love you. I got to say, it does seem like putting a marshmallow in the microwave for six seconds. And by the way, eating three during those six seconds is impressive. Um, <laughs> no problem. It does. It does sound like like a dessert for somebody who wants to do a, do something a little bit fancy, but is too lazy to actually roast the marshmallow. Oh, yeah. Forget that. <laughs> so have you ever actually made s'mores or do you? Do you, like, do you buy the groceries and then not make it to the campsite? <laughs> right. We do We do know, Bonnie, that you ate an entire bag of chocolates in the process of making <laughs> Butterfingers a few months ago. You know, if there are any new listeners listening to this uh, episode 96, you should know that um, when Butterfingers changed their recipe, which was very upsetting to me, Bonnie kindly um, tried to make original Butterfingers from a recipe she got online and she brought it to the studio because we used to record in a studio and uh, it was inedible. And they were terrible. Uh, yeah, oh, really yeah. bad. It was a kind gesture, but yeah. oh my gosh, it was bad. Just completely awful. And and we learned that, that we were actually getting the second set of ingredients because because her daughter got busy, I guess, with horses or something during the when they were supposed to make the, the Butterfingers the first time. And so Bonnie just ate the entire bag of chocolate. <laughs> hey, Adam. Yeah. I wanted to tell you that I have a word for this week. And oh, you know, our ongoing vocabulary word thing. Yes, exactly. It's a great word. Um, the word is, uh, pelf. Pelf? Yeah, pelf. P-E-L-F. It, oh, pelf. It's a noun that okay. means money, especially when gained dishonestly. Uh, here. Oh. I'll use it in a sentence. President Trump and his friends are sure to score some pelf from the rescue money intended to help small businesses. Ah. And by the way, Adam, uh, I got on Twitter, someone wrote me. And told me, in fact, a woman named Katie Marshall said her 17-year-old brother used the word sesquipedalian in his homework. Uh, it means polysyllabic or long. Um, he used it in his homework and he learned it from my vocabulary song. I was so excited to hear this. Uh, so Okay. Yeah. That is, that is wonderful. Yeah. It was really good news. Your vocabulary song is amazing, Paul. It does amazing things. And I, I'm upset that, that Bonnie Burns ever doubted you. Well, you know, I, I think you may have that history of the show a little bit wrong, Adam. I, I think it was you. Wow. No, no, no. I think it was you who didn't think. Wow. <laughs> I think it might have been 
You who didn't think the, uh, the vocabulary song was strong. But um, so what I do is I add a word each week to the vocabulary song. And, and sure. here's what it's sounding like uh, this week. Um, here we go. Ready? Uh, oh, I'm ready. Uh, okay, wait. I got it. I got it. I got it. I don't want my my instrument to get too close to the um, to the recording. Here we go. Uh, then put it outside, would you? This week's word is pelf. It's a noun that means money, especially when gained dishonestly. There's probably a slice for Hannity. Last week's word wasn't Super Bowl. It's an adjective that means impossible to overcome. That can make a person glum. The week before that, the word was nonplussed. It's an adjective that means surprised and confused and not knowing how to react. Might describe me if Trump said a fact. Going back before that, we had Qatar. It's a noun that means excessive mucus in the throat or nose. You can hear it in every one of my shows. <clears throat> And not long ago, we had cataplexy. It's a noun that means a medical condition in which a strong emotion or laughter causes a person to experience sudden weakness in the muscles. Ha, 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 I can't budge. Let's never forget free. It's a noun that means confused jumble or medley of things. Hodgepodge. Who's podge? Hodgepodge. Who's podge? Adam doesn't think my song is replicable. 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 But I do, I do, I do, I do. I had to move my, now, um, I had to move my, that my guitar. That was wonderful, of again. course. Whoa, that was really. Yeah, I, I hear that. Bravo. I have to say, though, we had another listener write into our Facebook page um, earlier th this week to say that um, the vocabulary song had ruined the word replicable for him. <laughs> And that in his line of work, he has to use it every day. Oh, no. What is he doing? Yes. What's his line of work? He's a replicator? I don't know. Huh. <laughs> wow, that is... He, he might be a scientist. Scientists are really into the word replicable. You know what I got to do before my next vocabulary song? Burn your glockenspiel. Exactly. I got to practice my glock. No, you got to burn your Glock. I think you misheard me. Oh, no. I thought you said learn. <laughs> no, I said burn. I definitely said burn. <laughs> All right. You know why it's okay for me to keep playing the Glockenspiel? I, I, I honestly have no idea. Why? Because Governor Gavin Newsom uh, has allowed annoying things to continue during the home. Uh, what, what's the it? lockdown. It's not a lockdown. What is it? The Stay at home order. Why do you keep Stay at home order? Why okay. do you keep calling it a lockdown? Is there something happening at your house that I'm are you chained up somehow? <laughs> you know what? People are drama queens. There's nobody unless you're in prison, you're not on a <laughs> lockdown. You know, people out walking their dogs in Santa Monica today, they are they're not locked down. They have been asked to please stay in their homes in order that we don't spread the virus uh, to one another. Um, but they certainly... I see we've gotten to the stickling portion of our show again. I, You know, it's the sort of thing that does make me stickle, though, because it's people like you using the <laughs> word lockdown that makes those nutter protesters come out with big signs saying they want a haircut. Boy, that's something to go to the map for, isn't it? You know, words matter, Adam. 
uh, <laughs> I can tell you, Adam Felbert, that words matter very, very much. Adam Felbert is our French Trump. Oh, look at that, that everybody. That it's, it's, it's French Trump, everybody's favorite wrongly nationalized uh, presidential hand puppet. Welcome, French Trump. It is moi, it is moi, French Trump, here to tell you, Adam Felbert, and our listeners that I have my own press conference at five o'clock. It drops at five o'clock on Friday evenings on the East Coast and 2 p.m. on the West Coast. But uh, you can listen anytime to the French Trump presidential conference and I will give you all the straight information. All right. I never saw you as being the... uh breakout character from our podcast, but there it is, a mini podcast every Friday, French Trump's press conference. I, I insisted on being the breakout character. <laughs> Who wants to listen to Mrs. Culpepper? She has no press oh, conference hey, hey, to hey, give. Hey, she I has like, no information. I like Mrs. Culpepper. Yes, but she has not informative in the way that I All right, fair enough. You know, the other day I was glancing at uh, I don't know, was it Facebook or my website or something? And um, there was a, a post. Oh, I know. I had made this little film of me talking to the mascot character on the outside of the Tofurky box. And Oh, yes, I think I saw that. And then on the comments section, someone had written, Oh, Paula, I thought you knew what was funny and what wasn't. I, you know, I listened to the third episode of your French Trump. It was funny the first time, but it wasn't funny this time. And then they put cringe. And uh, because apparently someone had a wow. gun to their head, making them listen to French Trump three times. Um, but That's what life is like <laughs> under lockdown. So I wrote back, to, you know, I don't usually respond, but I was, you know, he drew me out. And Why would they assume that you have anything to do with what French Trump says? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I wrote back okay. to him and I Fair. said, sir, this is the section. Actually, his name was Paul. I said, Paul, this is the section for comments about the Tofurky man. <laughs> wow. Well, you really <laughs> stuck it to him. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, yeah. you know, you know, that's the thing with me. Don't get me started with trash yeah. talk because you're you're going down. No. Right. That's you will take out your fans one fan at a time. If I have to. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't like your French Trump. I didn't like the French Trump. How come you did three French Trumps? And I had to listen to all three. Like, what on earth? Somebody forced his finger onto the click button thingy. What's the matter with this guy? <laughs> All right. And on that. That's um, a guy with a lot of time well, on his hands. You know what I mean? Oh, for heaven's sakes. Now my dog's barking again. This is. Well, now mine is too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break anyway. And when we come back, Paula, what skills do you need to host a game show? Do you know? I have no idea. Well, Alex Trebek is here to help you find out when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, 
Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, John James Audubon said, a woodpecker doesn't even have a pecker. <laughs> Thank you, house band Jackson Keith. Paula, are comedians essential workers? 
It turns out, Adam, that I'm not a temple. Uh, it's, it's, I, I disagree, but there you go. After all that time bitching about self-promotion, I don't right. think people are going to be coming together in crowds for a long, long time. So I'm trying to figure out how to reach people, you know? So therefore, I have come up with a game show idea that I'm going to do from my house. And the question is, am I capable of hosting a game show? Well, fortunately, we have with us the world's best game show host. He can tell you whether you could actually do his job. Yes, it's time for Career Corner, where we learn about the wide world of jobs. Would you like to be a fireman? How about a train engineer? Maybe you'd like to make a living as a spot welder. What can you do with your life? Career Corner has the answer. This week, let's explore a career as a game show host. Here to help Paula discover if she could cut it in the stressful, high-stakes world of hosting a game show is the man who has hosted Jeopardy since 1984, the one and only Alex Trebek. Yay! Oh, my. Hey, guys. Thank you for uh, helping break me out of my uh, confinement. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for breaking out for us, Alex. Welcome. Well, we're so glad you could be here. Thank you very much. Thanks. Alex, uh... Where are you anyways? I'm sitting at my desk in my office at home. In Los Angeles? In Los Angeles, in the San Fernando Valley. Ooh. Turns out me and Alex are neighbors. Oh, really? Yes. Alex, I'm glad you're not my neighbor, because you would call the cops on me for my dog barking in the backyard right now. <laughs> I thought you were a cat person. I have two giant dogs and 12 cats. Oh, wait. Somebody has to keep the cats in line. I was just about to say 11 cats. I have a cat that is so old. Apparently, one of the things that's happened to her in her old age is she keeps trying to go into, like, anytime you open a cabinet or a door, she tries to go into, like, say, the closet or, or the cupboard that keeps the pots and pans in it. And I don't see that well. And so I keep shutting her in the door. She's been cut in half more times than a magician's assistant at this point. <laughs> Isn't it a little strange that the cat keeps trying to go into the closet instead Wouldn't of... Um, you, yeah, right. Yeah. Wouldn't you think that somewhere along the way she would figure out that that's not a good idea? But the cats are not great lesson learners, that's for sure. All right. That is true. Speaking of learning lessons, Alex... Uh, I need to know how to be a game show host. So let me begin with this. On a regular Alex Trebek day, when you're making Jeopardy, what does your day look like? What are the tasks that you have to do? Well, I arrive at the studio at six o'clock in the morning. No. I, okay. Yeah, I go through. Do you harvest food for the? <laughs> no, I, uh, I go through the mail and then at 7.30, our head writer delivers the five games that we are going to be taping that day. And it takes me about an hour and a half to go over every clue in every category in those five games. And I make diacritical marks so that I don't make mistakes in uh, pronouncing words. And I familiarize myself with all of the material. Uh, I also make checks on some of the clues that I think uh, are too close uh, in. Uh, information to some of the other clues uh, uh, in those five games because the games are selected at random so we could have a, a little bit of duplication at nine o'clock we have a production meeting uh, with uh, two producers two writers and uh, myself and we uh, 
order the games. And then I, around 10 o'clock, I go to the studio. I get uh, hair, makeup, and wardrobe. And at 11 o'clock, we're ready to go. And we tape three shows in a row with one audience. Then we break for 45 minutes. Then we tape the last two shows with a different audience. And by about 4 o'clock, 4.15, we're done for the day. So it's basically a 10-hour day. Wow. That's amazing. And, and how many days a week would you do this? That, we do uh, it I mean, two days a week. And that, uh -huh. that means two weeks of programming every time, every two days that we go out and take. Oh, wow. Okay, great. That, so you can get a little ahead of things. Well, now, it, it you have like to keep in mind, you guys perhaps are not aware, but uh, in order to make it uh, profitable for the networks or the syndicators, this is a tradition that goes back many, many decades they decided that yes. they were going to tape an entire week of programming in one day. And that makes it just ideal because the host comes in, he works his one day, goes home and lounges around his pool. <laughs> Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> so far, I like the pool part. Now, okay, when you're actually taping the show, right, and you come out and you're Alex Trebek, um, is there acting involved in the way that you ask the questions? I don't think so, Paula. I, I think I try to read the material uh, as closely as I can to give it proper meaning uh, on our show, particularly because we are so heavily driven by information. It's important that you get the message across. You don't want to confuse the contestants. You're trying to make it as simple as possible for them to perform at their very best. So that's why I make the diacritical remarks. We have so much uh, limited space on the television screens, the monitors we use for our clues, that yeah. sometimes oh, two words that normally go together uh, are separated at the end of the line. And if you aren't careful reading it, you can confuse the contestants, and that, that's not our aim, of course. We want them to show themselves to be as smart as they possibly are. Now, have you ever had a difficult contestant? Mm, difficult in what way, Paula? Well, in any way. You mean throwing knives at me or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. no, uh, we very, by now, keep in mind, we've been on 36 years, and the people know that there's a certain formality, if you will, to Jeopardy. So they abide by that. They're very polite. Uh, they can be funny. They know that. Uh, but if they're going to challenge a clue, for instance, they are instructed to uh, do their challenge during a commercial break. And oh, I we see. Will, and we will try to resolve it. Uh, they're not going to speak out and interrupt me reading a clue and say, hey, Alex, wait a minute. I, uh, I think my... My response was right. They're they're not. Right. <laughs> yeah. So you've you've never had anybody like flip the podium. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you've never had anybody storm off and say, "I'm you know I don't have to put up with this shit." Then nothing like that. No, but what we have had when we were doing the uh, kids tournament, we have had many many tearful scenes because keep in mind when you're doing a children's tournament, these kids. Uh, are the pride of their parents' eyes. They, they do well in school. They're not used to having anybody say, hey, you're wrong. They're used to being lauded 
And all of a sudden they get in a game on Jeopardy against two other kids who have similar backgrounds and they lose. And they're not used to losing. They're not used to having somebody say, ooh, sorry. And yeah. so two of, two of the three contestants who walk off the stage losers uh, quite often shed a lot of tears. And it's hard. But you don't take that opportunity to make fun of them, do you? Oh, no, whenever. My God. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> and I don't even try to make fun of the adults who uh, appear on the program, even though some of them give me uh, many reasons or many opportunities. <laughs> Now I have to say, Alex, my 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 son and my son for some reason he's he's uh, he just turned twelve and he's been watching old episodes of the sitcom Cheers. He's just in love with it. And recently, just just a week ago, I found myself explaining to him um, on the immortal uh, Jeopardy episode of Cheers how that episode became part of the lingo of Jeopardy, as in pulling a Clavin, right? Yes, and uh, it took us completely by surprise. They. Uh came to me, the people at Cheers, and asked if I would do a cameo appearance. And we started doing readings. And every reading we did, they they looked at me and they said, hmm, Trebek can handle lines. So they kept <laughs> expanding it. And they expanded it in that unique way in order to uh, do the Cliff Clavin bit. And uh, it has lasted. It's amazing. It has lasted now for 20 years. And it's incredible. Uh, what I wanted to ask you, uh, apropos of Paula's question about difficult contestants, have you over the years seen contestants actually pull a Clavin or something close to it? And and for those listeners who don't know what it is, a Clavin is when you needlessly bet away all your money and lose the game. Uh, we've had contestants lose all of their money, but I won't say that needlessly wager and lose it. Uh, they, they figured they'd <laughs> win the game. but. Uh, We've had other contestants who have taken advantage of uh, the uh, Clavin thing. Uh, a, a teenager in one of the tournaments wrote down as his final, I don't know what the response is, but I just won $75,000. So they they, <laughs> they go yeah. off script, if you will. <laughs> yes. Uh, by the way, in terms of Trebek being able to handle a script, um, Alex Trebek was uh, on the dais at an event for an organization, a charity organization called Actors and Others for Animals. And I was also on the dais and we were roasting uh, Betty White. And oh, wow. there, were many, there were many comedians up there. And then Alex Trebek's name gets called. And we're all looking at each other going, Alex Trebek? He's a game show host. Why, Alex, he does Jeopardy. What indication is there that he would be funny on a roast? Well, Alex Trebek stole the show. He was the, really? I don't know if you've heard of him, Alex, but Alex Trebek was the funniest guy <laughs> up there. Uh, do you remember that night, Alex? I do remember that. That was uh, at uh, the Universal Hilton. Yeah, and you were so funny. And I think it blew everybody away because it's not the side of you that we see uh, when you're hosting Jeopardy. All right, speaking of which, let me get back to the point. Okay. Let me let me interrupt you just a second because uh, you bring up a very interesting point. And that is that no matter uh, who you are as the host, 
you have to keep in mind the game itself. That's the most important element you're dealing with. The game is the star, and you have to adapt yourself to that game. So if it's a uh, more cerebral game, such as uh, Jeopardy, say, uh, it, it does not behoove you to uh, become the stand-up comic. You're running a specific game that is designed to entertain a wide range of viewers, and you should not intrude uh-huh. in, in the format. So you're saying if you're a comedian, say, who's prone to long and sometimes rambling digressions, you might want to rein that in to become a good game show host. Yes. Now, one exception, in a way, was uh, Richard Dawson, who uh, you will recall hosted Family Feud. Yes. And he used to drive the producers crazy because, as his manager once said, we've taken a lot of crap from producers over the years. Now it's our turn to dish it out. So Richard (laughs) would launch into dialogues and tell stories uh, instead of running the game. And at the end of the uh, taping, the producer would have a half-hour show that was 42 minutes long and required excessive editing. But that was Richard's way of getting even a long time ago. Wow. You know, Alex, when I entertained the Jeopardy staff at your Christmas party, and thank you again, that was a blast, I was surprised how many people worked on the show. Did it always take that large a staff? No. When we started, I was the producer, and I think... We had six writers, two contestant coordinators, one researcher, a stage manager, and myself. We couldn't have been more than 20 people. Now we're probably up to over 100. Wow. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. The other thing I was really surprised about was while I was entertaining your staff, I I would, you know, just sort of point to somebody and ask them a question, how I used to do when I worked on stage. And uh, I'd say, you know, so how long have you worked in the show? And they would tell me, and I said, did you get hired to do that particular position? Or did you, you know, what? And somewhere along the way, people began to say, no, all my life, I grew up wanting to work on a game show. And I just couldn't get over that. Like many of the people answered my questions that way. So, oh, it was my dream to work on a game show. Like, who grows up thinking that? You know, people think I want to be an actress. I, I want to. Uh, I want to be a lawyer. I, I, you know, I want to be a skydiver. Who did you grow up wanting to be a, a game show host? No, it happened by accident. Actually, I was working for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation in Toronto, and one of my first assignments was to host a high school quiz show called Reach for the Top. Now, you may have seen that particular show uh, mimicked by Eugene Levy and the uh, SCTV guys uh, <laughs> years ago. And they... Uh, yes. And they had John... I mean, think of the cast they had. They had John Candy. They had Eugene Levy. They had uh, Julie Flaherty, uh, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Martin Short, uh, Andrea Martin. Uh, yes. They had so many talented people who went on to uh, more success in uh, motion pictures. But those TV shows are still out there and those takeoffs 
And the ones that uh, Eugene Levy did of me are, are hilarious. Uh, <laughs> and I have said this before, funnier than the Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live. Wow. Yeah, I agree with you. Keep, keep in mind, he had, he had a mustache, black mustache, black hair. And uh, <laughs> he just looked more like me. And he would <laughs> he would be able to demonstrate frustration with the contestants uh, a lot better than Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live uh, is very cool and doesn't get too upset. But Eugene Levy, he'd let it rip. <laughs> with, with his eyebrows alone. Yes, indeed. <laughs> famous eyebrows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Jeopardy's all-time winner, Ken Jennings, said, During the whole Jeopardy experience, I felt like I was living a bit of a double life. I would be secretly flying out to L.A. to tape new shows, hoping that none of my coworkers would notice the absence and figure out what was going on. Jeopardy tries very hard to keep their secrets. Stay tuned as we uncover more secrets about how to be a master game show host. The Cat of the Week is Old Man Ollie from Holyoke, Massachusetts. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're <laughs> European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kind of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. 
I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing. They cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. And we're back with the legendary Alex Trebek. Paula? Well, so Alex, now you you already answered this question to some degree, which is what are the important things? Like what advice do you have for me in my online game show adventure? You did tell me one thing already, which is that it's about the game itself. Yeah, it's about the game and the contestants. Uh, advice for you as host of the program, yes. be, be yourself, be natural. Don't try to upstage the contestants because that will alienate the audience. Oh. You don't want to tick off your audience. <laughs> the audience wants to look at you as the friend of the players because they imagine themselves in the position of contestant. Interesting. Yes. They relate to the contestants. So they say, geez, you know what? There's a waiter up there and he's doing well, and I'm a waiter. Damn, I, I could probably do well if I were there. Oh, wait a minute, why is Paula picking on him? Uh-huh. I don't like Paula, so. <laughs> so that's one of the things you have to guard against. You also have to be a little bit of a traffic cop in that there's a certain time limit for each segment of the program, and you have to get that segment done within that time limit. So oh as I said earlier, it's not a time for doing a lot of ad-libbing. Uh, occasionally it might, if the game is playing very quickly and your stage manager comes to you and says, hey, we're, uh, we're a minute under, we're, we're good if you want to say something, then you can do a little number or whatever. Uh -huh. uh, so that's very important. Uh, you, you're a producer or a director, if you will, on the floor. And you're the director's best friend out there because uh, if you get along well and understand each other, uh, there would be no problem. You, you get a feel for how the game is going. You know where to put stress. You know where to heighten suspense. Uh, you know where to encourage a contestant who may not be doing particularly well. And uh, conversely, you know how to put controls on a contestant who is not only doing well, but perhaps lording it over the opponent. So there are many ways, there are many ways in which you can exert your influence. But the trick is always, always, always be on the side of the players. I love that. What great advice. That is great advice. Hey, Alex, I'm sure you've heard this because I've heard it, which is that um, Mel Brooks and uh, Carl Reiner 
Yes. Used to get together in the evenings and they would eat their dinner on a TV tray and watch Jeopardy together. You've heard that, right? I was there at uh, Mel's house. He and uh, Carl were recording clues for us and they told us that's the way they spend their evenings. So I have no reason to uh, disbelieve them. Now that's got to be the highest praise that any performer could have, I think. Well, Hey, we love fans. And if they are famous fans whose work we admire and have admired for years, it makes it uh, even more special for us. Oh, yeah, that's such a great thing. Um, oh, I have one other question for you. Uh, do I need a sidekick? Hey. No, you do not. <laughs> what? <laughs> Pat Sajak has Vanna. You, uh-huh. you have Adam. Yeah, sure. I have Johnny Gilbert behind the scenes. So it, uh, you don't need a sidekick. Uh, Some games, it helps. Uh, When I was doing high rollers many, many years ago, my sidekick was uh, Ruta Lee. And then after her, Elaine Stewart, because they were rolling the dice while I was explaining the rules and running the game. And it worked out beautifully. It was a great relationship. And Ruta and I have remained friends now for about uh, 40 years. And, uh, uh, but it's not always required. Uh, have you ever felt a little jealous that Pat Sajak has someone to, to turn the letters? Uh, no, on our show, there, there really is no place for a co-host. Uh, I read the clues. What's the, what's the <laughs> what else is there? Yeah. What's the yeah. co-host going to do? Point to the clue I'm reading? Or, or just kind of go, good one, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they could just be supportive. <laughs> now, if I can go back to uh, a few moments ago when you were talking about Mel Brooks and uh, Carl Reiner. Sure. And saying uh, how nice it is when people like that Uh, are fans of the show. Uh, When I started hosting Jeopardy and the show suddenly became popular, I would get invited to a lot of events, a lot of celebrity golf matches. And one of my big thrills was being invited to the Frank Sinatra Classic in uh, Palm Springs and meeting Frank and finding out that he was a regular fan of the show. Oh, nice. And in fact, he he sent me a letter uh, thanking me for, uh, he says, you guys made me a star. Yeah, right. We made him a star. <laughs> but, I mean, he was, he was my musical hero and my showbiz hero. And to find out that he watched on a regular basis uh, was uh, extremely pleasing to me. Uh, Alex, wh- why does Johnny Gilbert always mispronounce your name? <laughs> uh, well, he did. I don't know. It's. Uh, <laughs> I had a younger sister who died a few years back, and she did not pronounce Trebek the way I pronounce Trebek. So I've gotten used to it. There are the, I, I don't mind slight variations in the pronunciation. <laughs> You've never mentioned it to him. So, no. So, so you never... <laughs> Never took Johnny aside and put your arm over his shoulder and said, it's Trebek. 
No, I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honey and I have been together now 36 years. Never a spat, never a uh, nasty word between us. Oh, that's so nice. I And I guess I guess after the first decade or so, telling him would become awkward. Yeah. I it, it's like when you have the social acquaintance and you don't know their name. Oh, I hate and if, that. Uh, it, it, exactly. After a certain amount of time, it would now be more awkward to to ask them their name. Yeah. That happened with me and my dad. You know, I would recognize him. <laughs> I, would, I would recognize him in the hallway of the house. Uh, but I was just like, I know him. I know him. And I just couldn't, you know, just too late. Uh, yeah. Now, then it would be embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. Uh, Alex, what other game show would you like to host? If I had had my druthers, I would have loved to have hosted Hollywood Squares. Because oh. to me, that was the ideal job. First of all, the host is seated. I have spent uh, many, many <laughs> standing on a stage. And I, I loved it when I got an opportunity to sit. Hollywood Squares was my ideal because as the host, you asked a celebrity a question and the response would almost always make you laugh. Yeah. And the game itself was very simple, tic-tac-toe. And who could not like that? Uh, one of my really good friends is Peter Marshall. And we talk about those days together. And uh, it was the ideal job for him. And uh, because he was so pleasant, so endearing, and yes. so friendly with the contestants. And... He knew how to play off of the celebrities. Yeah. Who makes the best contestant? Yeah, that's a good question, because we've talked about how Paula could become a good host, but wh who's the ideal game show contestant? Somebody smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, I, what we've discovered over the years is that uh, teachers, lawyers, and students make the best contestants. And the reason for that, we discovered, was that... Um, they're used to confrontational situations in classrooms. Think of lawyers. They're in a courtroom. They have to rebut. They have to make arguments. So they're used to thinking on their feet, and that helps you a lot as a contestant. And the same is true for teachers and students. Teachers are trying to nail the students. Students are trying to one-up the teachers. But in, in general, if you have the knowledge, and it, there are people, as we've discovered, certainly this year with uh, James Holzhauer, who is a professional gambler, Austin right. Rogers, who's a bartender, uh, Dizzy, who uh, was in the recording business. They all knew a ton of stuff, and they were able to express themselves easily and be comfortable in the setting. That's so important for contestants if you're going to succeed. You need to be someone who can deal with the pressure of the moment because keep mm -hmm. in mind there are two other individuals here who want to beat your brains in right right yeah now paula let me ask you this you're thinking yeah. of a career as a as a game show host yes what kind of show would you like to host which kind of program would you feel most comfortable hosting well, is it a wheel of fortune mm -hmm. type show is it a gong show is it a jeopardy type program is it a uh, to tell the truth type show? Well, I'm limited by the fact that I'm going to do this show from my living room on a right. on a Zoom type of format because we can't gather in 
in groups. And so I'm going to use, you know, what the world of technology has to offer. I'm going to be in my, in my living room. I'll, I'll tell you one, it's going to be a, a question and answer kind of a show with two contestants that are answering questions about one another. Um, one element of the show, you know, I do have 12 cats and each contestant at the beginning of the show will pick a cat. And if their cat happens to walk in front of the camera while we're taping, they get an additional point. <laughs> and if their cat throws up anywhere in my house while we're taping, they just plain lose. I see. Well, that sounds that sounds great. So, Paula, it's, it sounds like it's sort of like if they have to answer questions about each other, it's sort of like a newlywed game for people who are neither married nor indeed have met. Um, no, they will have met, but not for married people. Oh, okay. um, but but they will have met. Okay. I, and I think it'll borrow a little bit from Jeopardy in that um, there will be it, questions about really informational things. Um, oh, I see. As oh. well as as questions about the the person's themselves. But uh, yeah, it's going to be done from from my living room. In fact, Alex, um, if as soon as the stay at home order is finished with, and I don't know when that will be, you are welcome to uh, come host my my <laughs> from my living room. And I will gladly be your sidekick. Yeah. I'm thinking though that uh, instead of having it as a situation in which you are the host and you have two contestants, how would it be if you had just one contestant and you mentioned that you would be asking questions and expecting answers? That's good. So you could do that with one contestant and maybe instead of a game show, you could call it an interview. <laughs> well, <clears throat> There are there are interviewing aspects of being sure. a host, are there not? There absolutely are, yes, indeed. And that's one of the things that sets a lot of the people apart. But again, it depends on the kind of show you're doing. I can't get away with it too, too much on, on Jeopardy, but uh, Pat Sajak can do it on wheel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you know, maybe you could get a big wheel sometime. I had a big wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. Yeah. I can't thank you enough, Alex, for your help and your advice and for being a part of our, our goofy little podcast. Well, you're welcome, Paula. And uh, I think if I think of you as a game show host, uh, I think you would be sensational given the right format. And that's so important. And it's so important to the success of a program. Uh, you can be the best game show host on earth, but if the program isn't very good, you won't succeed. But if you get the right combination of host and show, Peter Marshall, Hollywood Squares, mm -hmm. Pat Sajak, and Wheel of Fortune, Bob Barker, Price is Right, uh, Richard Dawson, Family Feud, Alex Trebek, hopefully, uh, What's that show I host? <laughs> and pa and Paula Poundstone with what's that cat doing here? You got it. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thanks, Alex, for giving Paula the clue she needs to figure out if she could control the board and become a game show host. Paula, what have you learned about becoming a good game show host? And could you do that job?
Hey, Jackson Keith, if I could get a little background music, I'll tell you what my takeaways are. Perfect. I have to say, Alex Trebek was very encouraging and supportive about the idea of me hosting a game show over the internet. And I'm going to do it. Still, some of what he said did give me pause. He mentioned, for example, writers, contestant coordinators, and researchers. We're on a stay-at-home order, and I have no money. It's me, 12 cats, two big dogs, and a dictionary that's missing half the A pages. That's my research staff. Although I do have a book about composting called Let It Rot. <laughs> he said it's, it's important to keep in mind the game itself. I don't know if he understands my memory problems, which have been exacerbated by the stress of this crisis. I can't keep anything in mind. I'm sure to stop mid-quiz question and say, what were we doing? <laughs> he said the Jeopardy contestants abide by a certain formality. Well, I don't think mine will. I get guys like Paul, who bitches that he thinks the French Trump press conference could only be funny once, but he listened to all four episodes. <laughs> and Alex says I'm supposed to be on the side of the contestants. Well, what if Paul is a contestant? I'm not supposed to say please welcome our first contestant, Paul, who left his negative French Trump comment on the comment section for the video about the little Tofurky man? I don't think I cannot say that. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for being on our show. Uh, you know, one day, Paula, you will be essential again, but one man we know is essential is the host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek. And Alex, thank you so much. We'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone after this. back. Thank you, house band Jackson Keith. Oh, there's a phone call. Adam, answer the phone. Oh, really? Yes, please. Oh. Uh, okay. Uh, hello? Oh, am I the 100th caller? Uh, no, no. Uh, you're the you're the 68th caller on, on the show. Uh, who is this, please? Oh, hi. Oh, it's Carol. Carol Burnett. It is not. <laughs> Uh, uh, what? <laughs> what? Come on. That's not true. It's, it's impossible. Is this really Carol Burnett? Oh my. It's not really. Who oh. is everybody? No, come on. Uh, Carol. What? Carol, um what? are you are you aware that you can win any appliance from Roger Federer's appliance store? As well as you can hang out with Adam after the game if you're the hundredth caller. What do I have to do? You have to be the hundredth well, caller. Well, you know what? <laughs> I'll call back when I can be the one hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be number sixty-eight. I want to be one hundred. Uh, okay. Sixty-eight is good though. Maybe we can get you like a tennis ball or something from Roger Federer's. All right. Okay. You How know? are you fixed for toilet paper? <laughs> <laughs> We're all right. Well, maybe we could win that. What do you think, huh? That's a good idea, actually. That's a really good idea. Well, you know, maybe once we exhaust the 100 calls, which I know Adam is really happy about having this contest. Oh, yes. I love it. Did you know that Roger Federer, the tennis star, has an appliance store? 
No. Yeah, he does. Carol, you're getting you're getting sucked into Paula's web of lies. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. I'm used to lying. I watch the news. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> Well, it depends. It depends which new. Now, how are you? How are you and yours holding up during the? Uh, have you taken to eating marshmallows uh, during the? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're doing okay. I've got my my husband and I are here, and um, we have a, our kitty cat, and uh, it's one day goes into the next day and the next, but we're. Staying somewhat sane uh, by uh, doing crossword puzzles and watching good old movies. Excellent. What was the most recent old movie that you watched? Oh, my gosh. Well, we watched uh, Singing in the Rain, which I know by heart, but I love it. Singing in the Rain, The Music Man, Summer oh, Gets Hot, uh, oh. To Catch a Thief, Gaslight, All About Eve, all those good old ones, you know? Those oh, are man. great. Singing in I'll the Rain you, is my wife's favorite movie. I uh, rented a theater for uh, a big birthday for her. Singing in the Rain. Oh, gosh. Every number is a showstopper. It's, Absolutely. Oh, it's just wonderful yeah. to watch. Yeah, I, I love it. The, sh the, sh the show kept stopping. What? <laughs> no, sh a, a, the show kept a stopping. A metaphorical showstopper, Paula. <laughs> oh. I thought, I thought, boy, the concession stand must have been going crazy on when that was in the theater. Did you see it in the theater, Carol? Yes, I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Debbie Reynolds was, uh, uh, you know, she was in it, and she was, I think, 19 or 20 yeah. years old when she made that movie. And she was a year older than I am. And so oh, wow. uh, I was 18. And so I saw the movie in the theater, but then we have it here, and it's just like a, a, a ritual. I watch it every year, and it holds up so great. It's it's wonderful. I recommend it to anybody who who can get it, you know. And of course, it's a wonderful life with Jimmy. Oh, Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was I, Jimmy yeah. Stewart's favorite movie, and it was Frank Capra's favorite movie wow. that they made. Yeah, yeah, it's a wonderful life. And it bombed when it first came out. Really? Yep, yep. And then what happened was it became a cult classic every Christmas. And so then it just, you know, and it caught on. But when it first came out, it didn't do well at all. That's you know, why I, I know that. <laughs> so I'm a movie guy, forgive me. Well, I have a fantastic piece of Singing in the Rain trivia that my wife tells me almost on an annual basis when we watch the movie with our kids, which yeah. is while filming the iconic Singing in the Rain number, Out in the yeah. Rain, uh, Gene Kelly had an 103 fever. Yes, yes. Oh, you knew that? Wow. Of course he did. Yeah, I met him years ago, and we talked about that. I was at some function that he where he was, and I said that was just the greatest number, and he said that he was so sick when they were doing it, but he had to do it because it was all set up with the, the you know, the rain and the this and the that. And, uh, right. Yeah. And uh, so maybe that's why his eyes are kind of shiny. <laughs> wow. Cute. And then, of course, Donald O'Connor doing Make Him Laugh. Ugh. I mean, he knocked himself out for that one. And then when it was finished, he had to take two weeks off to rest up. 
Oh, really? Do you know why? Because he had a 104 degree temperature and uh, <laughs> he was very, this is, uh, this is little known trivia, Carol, that they might not have told you, but um, Donald O'Connor was very jealous of, uh, uh, of Gene Kelly. And so he purposely got himself a higher fever. <laughs> oh, yes. God, yeah. they were so good together, though. Oh, my God. He, yes, was, he was so jealous of, of Gene Kelly that, like, after they finished shooting the Singing in the Rain number, Donald O'Connor went out there to the street set and licked every lamppost that, that Gene Kelly had touched. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, just trying. That's, that's, that's a rumor that might be true. Yeah, I'm sure just, it is. Yeah, just trying to get the fever. <laughs> and then, oh, of yeah. course, the, the wonderful Gene Hagen, who was the villainess in the movie, was so funny. My, she's my favorite in the whole thing. I, she's Absolutely. like the unsung hero of the film. Oh, she Absolutely. was so funny. When yeah. she was doing, I can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when Robert Mueller wouldn't testify and wouldn't testify and wouldn't testify? Yes. I was almost certain that when he finally went to testify, he was going to say, I can't stand it. I thought for sure. <laughs> oh, you thought he was just ashamed of his voice. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like you know. he was going to sit down and go, and here's my report. Yeah, he was going to go, <laughs> he did it. He colluded with the Russians. Oh, if only. <laughs> yeah, if only, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. He colluded. He totally colluded. Now I'm a little more Mickey Mouse. Yeah, yeah, Uh, you you, you drifted. Well, Carol, I got to say, with all due respect to Tom Hanks, I have to say, Carol, I hope you are the hundredth caller eventually in this contest because um, because what else does the hundredth caller win, Paula? Uh, They they win any appliance they want from Roger Federer's appliance store and they get to hang out with Adam after the game. So I'm into that. <laughs> uh, keep calling That's back. That's incentive enough. That's, that makes me really want to do it. All right, you guys, I have to ask my coworkers, did you guys know that it was Carol Burnett before she said it was Carol Burnett? No. no. Paula, how are we supposed to guess such things? I'm so speechless. <laughs> I'm crying. Are you crying, Tony? I am. I am crying. <laughs> Tony, how I'm just high amazed is that fever? Bonnie is speechless. I'm completely blown away. <laughs> just to hear oh. her voice, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, well, that's not quite speechless anymore. Wow. I've never <laughs> we been love speechless. you, Carol Burnett. <laughs> well, Carol, I want to thank you so, so much for doing this. And uh, Well, you know, I, I took time out of my busy schedule during the pandemic, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I had so many other things to do. I uh, well, well, actually. Well, I'm, gl- I'm glad that you put those all on the back burner for us. That's really flattering. <laughs> well, thank you, and I, I hope you know the next time I call, it'll be number one hundred. And I just, I guess, I think I would like a blender. A blender. Oh, all right. Yeah, a blender. Wow. So just put they that are... down. Yeah, <laughs> then I'll call in when, it, when it's one hundred. <laughs> Carol, they're damaged oh. appliances, so it's a blender that will mix some things, but not all. Oh, well, no, then I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think of something else. All right. We're, we're getting you a damaged blender. That's all there is to it. 
I'll buy you a new blender, Carol. <laughs> I'll accept it. Well, everybody stay safe, okay? You too. You too. And thank you so much for calling in. Oh, well, yeah, I love talking to you. Thank you. Be good, stay safe, and sane, okay? You too. Uh, you too. Thank you so much, Carol. Love Bye. you. I'm pulling my ear for you. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh. Bye-bye. Love you too. Bye. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Huh? Huh? Does Paula that Poundstone one. come through for you or what? Yeah. Paula okay. Poundstone came through. Adam! Adam! What? Adam! Answer what? the phone! Hello? You are not. You are not the hundredth caller. Well, You're caller number Mac sixty. It's, well, this oh, is awkward. Ma that's, a, that's a good number. Uh, it, it, it's me, Mac Lapier. You didn't uh, even uh, hear the number. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said sixty. No, sixty-nine. Oh, oh, sixty-nine. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes, Adam. it is. Oh, yeah. Adam, sixty-nine. Yeah. Oh, Adam, yep, you're not walking. You're not walking with the Lord. I'll tell you that. <laughs> what? I have nothing to do with this. You know, you said sixty-nine. Oh, oh, I'm but that's the actual number. Carol Burnett was sixty-eight, and you're sixty-nine. Am I right, Tony Anita Hall? You are correct. Oh, aren't you lucky? Carol Burnett wasn't sixty-nine. Adam. I, I just want to give a shout out to those who whack with the Lord, Adam. And I want to tell them that you can worship the Lord without gathering. I mean, sure, yes. we, we'd like to gather, but you don't have to go to the church. What we are doing is using technology, you know. Yes. The, you know, the, the, the Zoom. No, the phone. Uh, we, I call a congregant. The phone, okay, Mac. Yeah, I, okay. I call up a congregant, and we sing this little cheese of mine. I'm going to eat it with wine. And then I call someone else. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Adam, I was surprised that you used the 69 number like that. You know, you know you're know, you a step away from having the 666 collar contest. That's your, 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 your little demonic. You're a little demonic. You know, Adam. Yeah. I'll tell you something about me. My, <laughs> the thing about me is you don't have to think the same thing I think. You know, I know someday you're going to whack with the Lord. I'm not. But, uh, you know, until that time, you know, me and you can still be friends. We don't have to stop uh, talking and calling, uh, you, you know, because uh, uh, the Lord understands that. By the way, Je <laughs> Jesus loves Jesus. I, I'm going to go. I'll, ca I'll call again. I'm going to call when I'm seven. <laughs> thank, thank, thank you, Mac. You know what? He's an affable guy. You know, he I seems know. like a nice guy. I mean, I think you grossed him out a little bit with the 69 thing, man. He was know. caller number 69, Paula. Right. Right. Adam, answer <laughs> no, the no, phone. He... Adam, Adam, no, answer really? the phone. <laughs> yeah, answer oh, the phone. Jesus. Answer the phone. Hello? Yeah. Hey, Adam, it's me, Mike Boom Boom Bonnaby. I I love it. I love it that you told Mac and Cheese that he was 69. Oh, man. You're, I love that. No, I love it, that it, so it fucking It was the cool, actual man. number, Mike. It was the actual number of the call. Yeah, right. That was, that was probably good of you to get 
Carol Burnett to say she was 68. There's no way in this world Carol Burnett was going to say I'm 69. But that was great to stick it on that Bible flipper. And say, oh, you're 69, Mac and Cheese. That's so funny, man. That's great. It, just a math. An, uh, it was an artifact of the math of the situation. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I, can, I cannot wait until the stay-at-home order is over so that, you, know, you and me can hang out after the game. The only thing I like about this stay-at-home order uh, is that that can't happen. What do you mean? I, I don't want to hang out with you before or after the game. <laughs> you know, you're such a kidder. That's what I like about you. You know what I mean? You and me, we can kid each other back and forth. Like, I know that, you know, I know you're just making that up. You want to hang out with me after the game, man. You know, they just stay at home. They don't be, like, in your house, for Christ's sake. You can- no, they do. They, 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 they do. Oh, well, fuck them. Fuck them. You know what I mean? I go to the beach if I want to go to the goddamn beach. That's my feeling. So I, that's what I did. Is I went to the beach. I hung out, you know. Uh, I went to the game. Uh, there, what game? There was, uh, you know, I went to a football game. And, uh, you see, Mike, Mike, this kind of thing is what makes me think that your sports fandom isn't real in that we know there's been no football games. No, no, it was a fantasy football. I went to a fantasy football game. <laughs> you went to a fantasy football game? Yeah, it was really fucking great. It was, it, it, was yeah. me, it was me against Tom Brady. I kicked his ass. That's fantasy football. Uh... Sort of, maybe no, no. I don't think that I've played fantasy football. It doesn't really work like that. You oh. don't go to a game. Yeah, You're, you know. Let's suffice it to say that we don't have the same fantasy, Adam. We don't have the same fantasy because my <laughs> fantasy, I kicked the shit out of Tom Brady, that fucking All right. football-deflating well, asshole. That's, fair. Uh, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, you know what? You ever you ever swim in Tom Brady's pool? No, have you? Yeah. Yeah. How'd you do that? Well, I'll tell you something. None of his inner tubes are inflated all the way. They're all, everything's a little deflated. <laughs> really? Well, that's that's yeah. really interesting. Uh, yeah. Mike, was it's there a reason that you called? Uh, yeah. I was on the home caller. No, you were number 70. Oh. Right after uh, Okay, Wade. well, I gotta call back. All right, bye. I gotta call back. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Okay. Oh, boy. He really... You know what? You could not ask for a more supportive fan than that guy, because he really... Yeah, he's he's, he's very, very supportive, that's for sure. Yeah. We'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone after this. Fun fact, the Four Corners is the only spot in the U.S. where you can stand in four states at once, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico. If you're ever there, make sure to try their specialty, the Spicy Mormon Marijuana Burrito. Welcome back. Uh, Paula. Yeah. Speaking of hotel soaps, we want to hear from our nobodies. So uh, nobodies, here's the address. Write it down. I'm not going to say pull over because you shouldn't be in your car. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And if you want to submit a new entry to the theme song contest, that's where you do it. Feel free to send it in or description of our show. We're still soliciting those and they're showing up on our splashy paulapoundstone.com homepage. Oh, yeah. I love that. When people have a, a brief but compelling description of our podcast we should put right. you guys we we should put up tom hanks's 
description, which was nobody listens to chaos. Wasn't that it? Yeah. He called um, it chaos, yes. Yeah, we should he, put he that He did up. say it was chaotic, uh, yeah. Yeah, anyways, when you go to the homepage of my new website, that is up. Um, it, it is up. It, my website went up and then COVID hit. It was almost, it was like two shoes dropping. Um, it, it's up. <laughs> and if you click on uh, com, the homepage comes up and right there uh, is a brief but compelling description of the show and it. It rotates. Uh, if you it click rotates. Again, if you refresh the page, all of a sudden there's another description from another nobody. Exactly, uh, and soon there'll be uh, Tom Hanks's uh, description. Um, you know, the other thing you can get the Poundstone Pussy Pillow at PaulaPoundstone.com if you go to the store. What is a Poundstone uh, Pussy Pillow? Well, I'll tell you, Adam. It's a little pillow of uh, you know made from a, a white canvas with uh, catnip on the inside and uh, a cat joke on one side and on the other side, I'm happy to autograph it specifically to your cat. Um, Fantastic. Well, not you, Adam, but to the person who goes on uh, uh, the store at Paula Pound Right. If I went to the store and, and put in Moonbeam's name, you would, you would do that. I would absolutely do that. And so uh, they're, you know, they're, they're flying off the shelf. uh, The Poundstone pussy pillows, every, Every cat needs to have one because, you know, one of the things I've read on the news online is that um, during the stress of the crisis, that people's animals are picking up on their owner's stress. So it might be a good idea um, to get your uh, Paula Poundstone autographed uh, Poundstone pussy pillow with just the right amount of fresh nip um, to mellow your cat out. And I bet you could just kind of pull it around the room and uh, entertain your cat with it by just pulling it well, by the string. Well, you know, now that you mention it, Adam, it does have a grommet sewn into it so that you could tie a string. Now, I do not provide the string, but you Wait, could. Wait, what? Um, no, I don't provide the string, but you could tie a string and pull it around um, to intrigue your cat more. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? If you want to save yourself that work, and I hate to piggyback on the top of your industry, Paula, but... Um, I saw a niche there uh, when when Paula announced that she wasn't going to be tying the string. And what I'm offering is I will, if you send a Poundstone pussy pillow to me, um, I will tie the string on for you and sign it myself. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is. And, and, and unlike Paula, who found that somewhat offensive name for hers, um, I will send it back to you. It will be rebranded as the Felber's Feline Fun Bag. <laughs> well, so... What more services could nobody's possibly want than what we have uh, provided? Yeah, we're here. offering Adam, them pretty much everything they could want. Yeah. Adam, answer the phone. Answer the phone. Uh, really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hello. Hello, Adam. Am I the hundredth yes. caller? No, your <laughs> caller number. And thank God you didn't call two calls ago. Your caller number is seventy-one. Oh. Well, thank you. I'm so happy that you're taking my call. Um, it is me, Winnie Rose Feynman. Adam, how are Hi, you Winnie. doing during the stay-at-home order? Um, I'm doing great, Winnie. I'm I'm here with my whole loving family. Um, I've I've got a, a couple of projects I'm working on, so I'm actually working from home, and uh, I'm feeling terrific. How are you? Well, I'm good, Adam. I I'm, of course I've been worried about you. And I gave you some positive affirmations, so you should be in great shape. I'm glad of that. I was thinking that in order to keep hope alive for theater goers, we should continue to rehearse. And I've 
done some rewriting to incorporate some of America's struggle into the body of the of my work, uh, my original work love texts. Winnie, I, I think I feel like I need to recap this for our for our newer listeners. Yes. Is that you have been um calling me consistently now for months, insisting that you have rented out a theater in which we were originally going to perform um uh A.R. Gurney's love letters. We will be performing we were at going the Herschel Bernardi yeah. Jr. Community Theater in Huntington, New York. That is correct, Adam. Right. Uh, although, uh, as I said, I never really agreed to do this. And th- you then did, you, Adam. You s- my, my, my attorney uh, uh, did reach out to you, and you did agree. That, that is correct. Okay. And then apparently you lost the rights to love letters, and you rewrote a completely new play called Love Texts. It's an original work, Adam, uh, called Love yeah, Texts. Yeah. If you'll remember, I am Virginia, and you are Lance. And uh-huh. so, um, just, uh, let's just realize, I'll tell you the lines. Okay, remember that I am Virginia, and you are Lance. Okay. Uh, so, here Virginia begins. Lance, we grew up together. We have been BFF, best friends forever. And I then know. F8, fate, took us apart. Now you are um, U-M, unhappily married, and I am here, L-F-U, longing for you. Oh, boy. I don't care about the C-O-V-I-D-1-9, COVID-19. <laughs> Thank you. I'm coming to you, the letter U. I want to twim, T-U-I-M, take you inside me. Now this is your turn. This is... Now it's your turn. Now you are Lance. So this is you, and here you say... I don't have it. Okay. I'm telling you it. Would you listen... Uh, oh, oh, Virginia, D-B-L-A-M-A-G-A-I, <laughs> don't be like a MAGA idiot. <laughs> the virus is real, and E-O-O-U-C-B-A, either one of us could be asymptomatic. Our love is not more important than stopping this killer. <laughs> now I speak as Virginia. Wait, you didn't even let, Okay, you're just telling me my lines. You're not asking me to do them. In a minute. In a minute. Oh, okay, my okay. God. This, you know what? This, this stay-at-home order is making you chomp at the bit. Uh, uh, I'm right. not chomping at any bits here. Now, I as Virginia, so you say stopping this killer, and I as Virginia say Trump, and you as Lance say no, C-O-V-I-D-1-9, COVID-19. <laughs> so do you want to try your line, oh, Virginia? D-B-L-A-M-A-G-A-I. No, no, I do not want to try my line, Winnie. Is it hard for you to remember 
It's all Virginia. D-B-L-A-M-A-G-A-I. No, I get it, Winnie. I get it, but I'm not going to do those Don't lines. be like a MAGA idiot. <laughs> the virus is real. All right. Is okay. real. Israel. E O O U C B A. Either one of us could be asymptomatic. No, I heard it the first time, Winnie. Well, it's your turn to say it. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> You're being very suggestive to my character, let me just say. It's a romance, Adam. It's a yeah, romance. I, it's just, which it's, I, mean, I don't want to be in, Winnie. F. Uh, H-F-B-A-F-P-R. What was that? Holy fuck balls, Adam Felber, please rehoist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's common internet argot. Oh, it is. It will be. All right, listen. <laughs> I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to email you your lines so that you can be more prepared for our next rehearsal. I can't believe how unprofessional you are. All right, I, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, Adam. <laughs> Thank you, Winnie. Oh, Paula, this is taking a very dire turn. Well, it's a romantic uh, script, Adam. You know, you're an actor. It's a very romantic, but but she, uh, one, I'm not an actor, and two, she's a stalker. <laughs> she's, 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 I, I mean, she's I would just kind of, I would hope, Paula, that, that when someone you love is being, or work with, is being stalked, that you would step up and say something. But like, whenever Winnie Feynman shows up to stalk me, Paula, you just kind of disappear. You know, I don't think she's stalking you, Adam. She's a. It she's, feels like you know, it. She's sending she, me stuff and writing plays about me and and inveigling me into her um, into her theatrical uh, fantasies. They're not theatrical fantasies. You agreed to do the play. I you know did what? not. I never agreed she, to do the play. Winnie, Winnie, you know, Winnie Feynman is going to sue the shit out of you. You know what she's going to do? Yeah. S T S O U. Sue the shit out of you. That's what. Now, now you're talking like Winnie. You see, this is it's contagious. Well, she she sometimes writes to me and asks me to help her um, with the acronyms. Is that what it's called? Did she Uh, ask for help with acronyms? Sometimes, yeah. You're talking to my stalker. She's not a stalker. She's just a fan. (laughs) Okay. She's just a fan who sent you her mother's crockpot. And by the way, her mother's very upset. I never received a crockpot, okay? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. If we weren't all forced to stay away from each other, I would ask for a restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> but we're living inside a global restraining order right now. That's right. You know, don't, don't stickle. Um, all right, where are we? You're going to you're going to say that you can find us on Instagram and all that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought I was waiting for you. You can find no. me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter and check out our Facebook page at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. That's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Special thanks to our guest, Alex Trebek. And thanks to tonight's house band, Jackson Keith. 
Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Starburns production by Landromo. Technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Carol Burnett. Carol? How did you arrange for Carol Burnett? I blew her husband. Wow. So did I, and I didn't get the call. (laughs) She called you. Oh, that's right. She was great. Oh, she's wonderful. Starbanks Avenue, a podcast network.